And aside from God's written word, Wally, I got to tell you, the number one thing that I am most grateful is, is actually people like you that, that choose the, you choose to challenge the status quo. And I don't mean to say that for just like a cliche discussion or, you know, any kind of plug or anything like that, but it, it is men like you who choose to go against the rut of conformity and what's popular and set out on a different path that that life occurs. I mean, you, we are the misfits, the, the, the ones who are seen, um, you know, rowing upstream and it's, it's in those type of actions and circumstances and thought patterns that allow you to, to chisel a life worth living versus just being, you know, in existence. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, all of you amazing, abundant leaders out there? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance and prosperity in family, faith, finances, and fitness. It starts with a decision to have the right mindset and then take the right action. And I say the right action because, quite frankly, I've heard since I was a little kid, and I know you've heard this before as well, that hard work is the key to success, and it's a bunch of BS. Because I'm telling you right now, I know many people, my dad included, and many other people, and I know you know them too, that have and still do work their butts off. I'm talking 12-hour days, physical work, whether it's in an office or in the ditches, in the trenches. They work hard, but they are not living the lifestyle that they desire. They are not living their best life, despite the fact that they are working hard. Working hard on the right actions and doing the right strategies, that's what truly makes you successful and more importantly, fulfilled. And ultimately, that's what will make you a man of abundance. And here's the thing. If you don't know the right strategies, if you don't know if you're doing the right work, here's one litmus test. If you're not living your best life, but you know you're working hard towards it and you're not moving the needle, then you need new strategies. Every time I've seen that in my life, what I do is I go out and find somebody who does know the right strategies, who can teach me the right strategies, who can coach me and mentor me. And if need be, I pay for that service. Why? Because I know the payoff. I know the return on investment. And if I'm not writing a check or swiping a credit card, then I'm putting in the time to learn new skills and strategies. And I got to tell you, I appreciate you putting in your time here in the Men of Abundance podcast and learning new strategies for your life to learn how to live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness. And specifically, if you're a business owner and you want to learn some very amazing strategies that are going to move the needle in your business and your life, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and specifically listen to the episode on Fridays, which is the Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery episode. And tomorrow's episode is going to be very important to almost all of you, especially if you have a website. And if you do have a website, whether you built it yourself or you paid 
couple hundred to several thousand dollars to have somebody else build your website. I'm sure you're happy with it. I'm sure it looks absolutely amazing. But I will bet you it's not performing to the level that you think it should be. And by performing, I mean making you profits. So what I'll be going over tomorrow is a five-step process to evaluate your website to ensure that it has all the right elements so that it will do what you intend it to do, which in most cases is to generate business, increase revenue, and profits. And the two to three strategies that I will be going over tomorrow will very easily increase your revenue by ten to $50,000 annually when properly implemented. So if you're not already subscribed on your favorite podcast player, then make sure you do so so you don't miss a single episode. Now, our featured guest today, man, did we have an amazing conversation. I don't know how long we talked pre-show just to get acquainted, but he and I really had an amazing connection, and I just can't wait to share this conversation with you guys. Our featured guest today is Eric Stark. He is a believer in Christ, loyal husband of 15 years, super dad, property buyer, thought leader, and has spent the last 10 years of his life building a successful real estate acquisition company in Michigan. More importantly, Eric took a sabbatical five years ago and relocated his family to South Florida. Since doing so, Eric has discovered his passion to serving the homeless in his local area. Eric also started a nonprofit to help people affected by Hurricane Irma in the Florida Keys restabilized after being devastated by the storm of September 2018. Eric also co-founded the Holiday Mastermind with Alex Pardo, which hosts annual entrepreneur masterminds with all proceeds going to benefit people in the Keys, families in Guatemala, and those who need help restabilizing after unfortunate circumstances. Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to Eric Stark. Eric, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? Oh, Wally, good to be here, man. How are you, brother? I'm super, super excited to have you on the line, man, and, and just excited to have you here. It's good to be here, man. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad you and I linked up, and uh, it, it seems like we have a lot more in common than we'll probably be able to cover today. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And since we're fairly close here in, in the Florida state of Florida, we'll definitely be able to meet face-to-face at some point. I'm really looking forward to that. So I kind of gave it away, but where, where are you exactly specifically today? So I live down in uh, just south of Boca Raton. Uh, I relocated from Michigan back in 2013. So um, for those listening across the nation, we're just north of Fort Lauderdale on the east coast of Florida. Okay, so that's a little bit of a culture shock. Yes, totally different, man. Flipped flipped life on its head. <laughs> what was the purpose of that move? It's kind of a long, drawn-out story, but basically it was just kind of a massive pattern interrupt in life. Mm. Um, just to start a new foundation, plant new seeds in the ground, and you know have greater fruition over time versus what we were creating in Michigan. That is so cool that you said that, Eric, because that actually is part of my whole course and part of my whole process and helping people make drastic change in their life is a huge pattern disrupt. And I've done a couple of those in my life as well. Um, some of the army helped me do that, but <laughs> so we were used to that type of stuff, but I commend you for that because I've talked to quite a few men, one guy, for instance, who moved from London to the Philippines 
and started a whole new business. And others, one guy moved from, I think he moved from Australia to the, to Japan, just moved his whole family. I mean, just dra- that's super drastic to move to a whole different yeah. country, but Crazy. it's extremely effective to do something like that. Absolutely. It's, it's necessary in my case, you know, I just, I have to have that, uh, that constant change. I don't know if I'm willing to go as radical as some of those mm-hmm. other guys. Um, but no, I just, I recognize in my life that if, um, it's just so easy to get complacent and conforming and fit into the rut of life. And if I didn't do something just drastically shocking to the senses, um, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, while we're on this topic, I do want to bring up real quick, you don't have to relocate states or even cities, let alone countries. One of the things that you can do for a pattern disrupt in your own little environment is one, take a different route to work a couple days a week. Or you know what else is really cool? Move your dishes around. Relocate your plates to where your cups and glasses are at and do this every six months or so. It truly makes a bit. It's weird. Don't get, you know, the science behind it. There is science behind it, but it truly makes a difference. Yeah. The goal is just to take action and whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, I'm sure a lot of people on here have read the book, eat that frog, but it's basically mm-hmm. picking your hardest tasks that you have to do and doing that first. And if you're recognizing that, um, you know, if one of the things you want to do is improve your health or lose weight or get a more chiseled body, Rather than thinking you're just going to go into a gym and hit it hardcore for five days a week, just start by changing your mornings over to just starting with a walk. And it's that pattern interrupt in life that will eventually build momentum. And the next thing you know, you're picking it up to a brisk walk. And the next thing, it's a jog. And the next thing, it's a run. And the next thing, you're adding weights to it. And you know that, that one pattern change will eventually build momentum and get you from where you are to where you do want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely huge, man. This conversation is going to be amazing. Before we get too much into it, I want to start out with an attitude of gratitude, brother. What do you have to be grateful for today? Oh, man. Gosh, I got I have books and jars and journals filled with things that I am grateful for, Wally. Um, you know, to, to start off just with, you know, kind of the stuff that that jumps off the top of my head. Um, and it sounds kind of cliche. I mean, after you do a gratitude journal and have a gratitude jar for so long, you really realize that you're you're very grateful for some of the th- same things over and over. Um, you know, just to touch base, I'm very grateful for God's written word. It's been one of the things that I've been able to fall back on in, in my life when nobody else was there and, and, the, and the stars disappeared. And none of my mentors were there to, to help me in my fall. Um, very, very grateful for my family, which gives me a much greater purpose for living than just myself. I realize that anytime I get wrapped up in my own self, I need to just you know, recognize that you're being a little bit selfish here and you need to focus on, on the real purpose for living. But, you know, Wally, I'm great. I'm very grateful for the ability to create and mold a life worth living. Um, this is a whole nother topic that you and I could probably just run off on a tangent on, but I'm so thankful that I get up, I'm able to get up every day and kind of choose the the, the route that I want to take to work. You know, not that I mean that in a physical sense, but what path do I want to set out today and how do I want to get there? And I have full control over my day. And sometimes you can choose to do nothing. And sometimes you can choose to take on more than than you're able to handle in one day. But uh, also very grateful for my life experiences. Uh, They've shaped and molded who I am today, both good and bad. Uh, Love the fact that I have ever improving health. Um, 
you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm very grateful for is I cycle a lot. I usually do eight to 15 miles a day on a, on a road cycle. And one of the things that is just gives me a burst of energy and joy is, you know, a swift breeze, uh, a smell of jasmine, the very simple things in life and in nature. I just find so much gratitude in, um, and aside from God's written word, Wally, I got to tell you, the number one thing that I am most grateful is is actually people like you that that choose the you choose to challenge the status quo. And I don't mean to say that for just like a cliche discussion or, you know, any kind of plug or anything like that. But it it is men like you who choose to go against the rut of conformity and what's popular and set out on a different path that that life occurs. I mean, you, we are the misfits, the, the, the ones who are seen, um, you know, rowing upstream and it's, it's in those type of actions and circumstances and thought patterns that allow you to, to chisel a life worth living versus just being, you know, in existence. Man, Eric, love you, brother. I really do. I mean, that is just absolutely amazing. Everything you said there that you're grateful for, I can 100% stand behind that. And almost it was like I was listening to myself talk. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I just love it. And thanks for the, thanks for the, um, you know, just throwing it out there, man. I just absolutely love, you know, people look at somebody being weird. I, I, I welcome it. I'm like, Weird Absolutely. is good, man. I mean, because I don't want to be like everybody else. And when I, it's interesting when I started this whole podcasting, I decided to model a couple guys, but I just had to make it my own and bring in guys like you that just really get it, man. And I, it, you guys are what makes the whole show. I just kind of lead the way, you know. <laughs> well, we all need a leader, buddy. So I'm grateful for you <laughs> holding your part because that's what the world needs. Yeah, yeah, you know, I appreciate that. Leaders. So how would you how would you describe yourself, Eric? I mean, you talked a little bit about it there, but let's get more into that. What, who is Eric? What makes you tick, brother? How would I describe myself? Man, I could, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's, that is such a great question. And I, I think if I were to, to truly just answer it off the top of my head, I would never be able to uh, really hit the nail on the head. It, it takes me back to a very um, a brief discussion when I was, I believe I was nine or ten years old. And one of my classroom teachers had asked me the very same thing. And it was an assignment that the whole class had to do. And pretty much she asked the question just as the day was wrapping up. And we had to go home and, you know, create this paragraph about, you know, describe yourself. Who are you? How do you want to be known to the world? And from what I remember, I really summarized that whole assignment in like two or three sentences. And kind of what I said was, you know, if you want to know the type of person that I am, Wally, don't listen to a word I say. You would you would have to observe me from afar and make your own conclusion. Because one of the things that I really struggle with is I may know who I am or what I want, but I'm never 100% consistent. Um, if I were to hand you my business card, my business card would tell you that, you know, right on the front of it, it says my name, a phone number. And then when you flip it over, it says believer in Christ, go-giver, loyal husband, super dad, real estate buyer, marketing ninja, and servant. Now, I put those there because nobody wants to see that I'm the vice president of a real estate company. That's just boring. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that I'm a believer in Christ, sure, I believe, but help my unbelief. When I tell you that I'm a go-giver, sure, I'm a giver, but I may do it selfishly. So I'm never 100% consistent. So I advise everybody to take that with a grain of salt. And if you really want to know who I am, you're going to have to kind of take a step back and observe it 
and make your own conclusion because I do battle a lot with self-validation, self-doubt, remaining consistent, and always trying to juggle those things to make sure that I'm living up to them. Um, you know, to kind of summarize that, I guess you could say that I'm a quiet guy with a lot to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I'm a humble person that's got a message that I can't quite get people to grasp onto. So, um, I know what my purpose is. I know what I'm driven for. I know what I stand for. I know what my beliefs are. But in order for me to describe myself would be kind of selfish. So you, you, the people will just have to watch me online and kind of say, you know, <laughs> he is he is a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So uh, I, I don't know if I answered that question or just totally uh, uh, tortured it. No, you totally did. And here's the interesting thing about that is I was having a conversation with some people yesterday about the incentives. And I've been studying incentives, What what incentivizes people. I've been studying this over the last couple of weeks and I was having this conversation about what are the motives behind what people do. And part of what you said is you're a giver. And then you say, well, maybe I'm a giver for selfish reasons. You know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know why? Because, and some people, I don't want to get into the whole conversation on this and I would like to have some dialogue with you about it, but you know, I was thinking about a some I, somebody asked a question a while back because I love questions and it really makes you think. Who do you feel made the most contributions in their lifetime? And one of them's not passed yet. Of the two people I'll mention, one is Bill Gates and the other one is Mother Teresa. And don't look at the motives of it, but who truly impacted the most people in their lifetime? And you can sit and analyze, you can do the data and all this other kind of stuff. But in this for you to if for you to guys to ponder, it's really for you guys to ponder. I'm not going to say what I think it is, but truly think about it. And then, but the, the first thing that people think about is when you think about Bill Gates, you think about the motives. And when you think about Mother Teresa, it was completely 100% giving. Yes. But when you really look at the true impact of who who is helping cure who helped cure diseases who brought so much to this world that we never saw before that individual came on the scene you know in the way that they did so you know it's just it's just an interesting thing to ponder when you start thinking about what the motives of what people do absolutely yeah and and I agree with what you say that you know even if you do give to cover up guilt or for self it it, it doesn't really matter i guess um, maybe it does matter, but, um, you know, in the Bible, it even talks about that a sin done for a righteous purpose is forgiven. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's not room to justify and just say, well, I'm going to go live this life filled with sin because I believe that I'm doing good. Uh, it, it has to be something where your impact is for the kingdom and you are doing things for not your own selfish motives. And uh, you know what, if I'm being honest, I'd just tell people that I struggle with that stuff at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pushing I'm pushing to be a, be a better believer, to be more of a go-giver, to you know remain loyal, to consistently be a super dad. So those are the things that I'm always aspiring to be closer to and known as. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's exactly the point. And, and you know, personally, when I give, I feel amazing. No matter how I do Absolutely. it, I feel better when I give in person than I do when I write a check yes. or, you know, just have something that's going automatically. Um, yes. I just feel better. I just feel amazing. And if, if, is, is that selfish? Maybe, but not you know, at all. It's still giving, it's still making Absolutely. an impact on other people. 
That's correct. It's it's all about the impact that you give and, uh, you know, running a couple of different charities and working with several nonprofits. Uh, I know for a guy like me, it's easier to write a check than it is to donate my time because not that I have more money than time, but it, it's a priority thing. So either way, you know, I don't care at what level you're giving to somebody, even if you're not drawn or led to give in the capacity that you see others doing it, just do it and the details will work itself out. And, you know, I think if you're giving, I really don't think you're doing it for the wrong intention, period. Right. <laughs> and even yeah. if you are, you're still blessing somebody else. So God will work mm. that out between you and him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm reading uh, As a Man Think It's right now. And um, one of the things that it mentions in there is specifically that when something is done with good thought, then nothing bad can come of it. When Correct. something is done in poor thought and, and hateful thought, then something bad is going to come from that ultimately. Yes. And that's just the, the rule of the, all of that. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for I, I dig that dialogue and the whole idea of it. And then the other thing, the, uh, the other side of that coin is, you know, you talk about. It's easy, sometimes it's easier to give of time than money and otherwise, you know, your resources that you have, guys, are your time, treasures and talents. So to give your talents, sometimes that includes giving your time as well. And yes. you can argue that maybe taking up some of your time that you'd be earning an additional income, you know, because so, time is money. But ultimately, you don't have to just give in money. It's time, treasures or talent or all the above. That's right. So you have multiple resources to, to pull from. Those of you listening, don't ever live with the guilt that just because you see somebody else donating more time, more money, more frequently, more openly, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm a person who just chooses not to. I, I really, Wally, I will tell you honestly, I really battle showing the help and donation and charity and nonprofit work that we do whatsoever, but it's the only way that I can let people know whose hearts, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I've learned through charity and giving is, is people are good, Wally. People mm -hmm. generally want to do good. They want to help other people. When you show them that their, their time and their money is going to have an impact. And that's the only reason why I choose to showcase any charity or giving whatsoever, just to let people know that if you're going to be handing out money we have a source for getting as much of that money into the hands of people who need it most. And, uh, but don't ever let, you know, your comparison to somebody else make you feel greater or less than that other person just because they seem to be doing it more. Yeah, that's a big struggle specifically for nonprofits. And I've, I've had conversations with many CEOs and many executives of various nonprofits. And one, you can't advertise like a regular Fortune 500 company can or any Correct. other company for that matter. So there's one obstacle. So you have to somehow um, have testimonies, people talking about you, or you have to talk about yourself. And you have to show what you're doing. And it's, you know, people get bashed. I know Timothy Sykes, for instance, Oh, he started the Timothy Sykes Foundation. You know, he had all the toys. He had the, the mansion. He had all this stuff and everybody beat him up about it. Then he started the Timothy Sykes Foundation, wrote a million dollar check to Pencils of Promise. Pencils of Promise promoted that, highlighted that. Then he starts getting all this hate mail and all this stuff, you know, and everybody bashing him. He feels he's doing the right thing. And then he says, you know what, whatever. I had a conversation with him on an episode many uh, about a year ago. And he's like, you know what? I just got to let that stuff roll right off my back. I know what That's I'm right. doing it for and it's making it a huge impact. And guys, you know what you're doing it for, but it's just, 
I would rather see somebody highlighting themselves on what they're doing for a homeless person or anybody in their community than seeing two girls fighting in a McDonald's. That's right. Oh man. Oh man. You ain't kidding, man. You can, you can shout that message from the rooftops and make that message go viral Wally. (laughs) Cause that's the truth. Yeah. I would much rather see somebody starting a GoFundMe account for somebody who is, you know, without then a bunch of, losers standing around filming the next fight it just makes me sick man yeah absolutely especially standing around filming it and not doing anything about it you're just as guilty man (laughs) you're just as guilty so brother i like to bring up this kick in the gut moment only because it shows guys that we all have these kick in the gut moments you're a very successful man you're very wealthy in your and when i mean wealthy i don't mean just financially i mean just personally, your life is, you know, for the most part together. And I want to show guys that none of us really have it a hundred percent together. We all have kick in the gut moments that got us to where we're at today. So if you would share one of those kick in the gut moments with us and really make us feel that, you know, I've, I've had quite a few of those and, uh, it seems like I have them maybe not so frequently anymore, but they, uh, you know, they, they do come rapidly throughout life. And, um, I, I've really learned to kind of embrace them, uh, for what they are. I know that this too shall pass and they usually don't stick around. And, uh, and many times I, I make them worse than they, than they actually are. But the one that comes to mind, Wally is, um, just before we moved to South Florida, actually, this was about a year before we had uprooted our, my family and, you know, moved down here. I'll never forget back in April, 2002, uh, I had just done, I had just done a real estate transaction. I mean, nothing, it was a it was a, a fairly large assignment deal, and it opened up a paradigm into us starting to sell a lot of properties to developers and builders, which um, was kind of an arbitrage situation where we were selling to rehabbers, and then the margins got really thin, and we started selling to builders, and it opened up a whole new door. But I'll never forget that day back in April 2002, and literally just came from a closing had made $50,000 personally, not aside from what the company took in, but personally from a transaction. And I literally remember cashing, depositing that check and going to my house at two o'clock in the afternoon and crawling into my bed and crying just because of how depressed I was. Um, I, in, and from the outside perspective, you know, I was the the guy who had it all. I had a a beautiful wife, a wonderful son. Money was not an issue, but I had far greater problems and issues than money. And I was successful, but I wasn't significant. And I don't mean significant in the fact like, look at me, I need your approval. You got to praise me. I'm better. I'm talking about feeling significant. Like I was actually feeling good for what I was doing. And what had occurred to me was I was just going after and filling my life with all the wrong things. Uh, I've never really been a material guy, but money had become a God to me. I had put my marriage on hold. My parenting was really lacking. I was business, 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 trying to become a multimillionaire as quickly as I possibly could. And I, I just remember that day laying in my bed And thinking I would write a check to any guru that could snap me out of this depression. And and my brain just started turning over in circles saying, if you approach anybody in the condition you in, you are going to have people write you off as some, you know, you're no longer Superman because in the hands of some, in the eyes of some of these people, like you've got to be 
larger than life. You've got to be bigger than your own circumstance. And what I was dealing with was internal. It wasn't an external circumstance. It wasn't my environment. It was the fact that I was serving money and money was not fulfilling me whatsoever. And I'll never forget walking over to my Bible. And it was a huge Bible that I never truly read, but I had found it in a house and just left it for display. It was literally like a two foot tall Bible. And I left it as an open display on one of my, uh, on my nightstand in my bedroom. And I walked over and I'll never forget flipping open to James 1, 2, and 3, where he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I, I literally just got chills as I explained that to you, but I'll never forget just, it felt like the Men in Black movie where he puts that thing in front of your face and flashes you and you just forget all this stuff that you've got inside of you weighing you down And I felt so refreshed and rejuvenated. And from that moment back, I've been, you know, walking a better balance of, you know, financial independence versus, you know, having my sights on the Lord and building everything that I do for the kingdom. But that is is one of the kick in the gut moments that I have to to really fall back on, because by adding the I don't even want to say adding, but by focusing more on the spiritual part of my life has allowed me to feel more significant. And guys, once again, I don't mean praise and worship me and like I'm better than anybody else. I'm talking about me just feeling internally good about who I am and what I'm doing and what my talents are and how I bless the world and the people around me. Um, I just wasn't doing that back in the time. So that's kind of what I fall back to, that that was a big kick in the gut moment where, um, you know, from that day forward, it just became a, a more deliberate part of my life. I wasn't hiding it no more. It wasn't just getting the leftover energy at the end of my week or the end of my month or whenever it's convenient for me to tithe, I'll do it. It's it's more of a deliberate relationship that I now have, you know, with the Lord and with Jesus and, you know, being fully active with men of abundance, you know, men are, who are doing the same thing. So that's 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 where my brain kind of wraps around is my kick in the gut moment that that was a big transformation for me. Wonderful. Yeah. Living a life of gratitude on purpose. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Love it. It makes it, it's, it's a huge shift guys when you can do that. Look, and I'll, 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 I always reiterate this. I, I love, you know, I do enjoy the whole process of providing a service and making, making an income under my own means. I just absolutely love the whole process, but it's not the money that I love. The money is a byproduct of that process. And when it's done in the right way, then you're providing an amazing service and you're getting duly compensated for it. And you sleep so amazing at night. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I will say that my, uh, I will say that, that my sleep is probably one of the greatest paydays that I have because I do sleep and rest really well. (laughs) <laughs> there was a lot to be said about that, Wally. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking at your website, therealericstark.com. I, you know, I see your books here and you know, stuff like that. But what really intrigued me when Courtney contacted me, Courtney Blair, I got to give a shout out to Courtney. Uh, Love contact, you, Courtney. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and she sends me some other amazing people to talk to as well. Uh, and have amazing conversations with. But one of the things that really intrigued me about the whole bit was of what you're doing 
with your with your nonprofit, what you're doing in the Keys, what you're doing with families in Guatemala, and you're yes. partnering with other people. It's not just you. And I absolutely love the um, you know the whole idea behind the masterminds and everything. So if you could share some of that with us, this is your time to shine, man, and really talk about yourself and your organization and what you guys are doing for the communities. Definitely, yeah. It's uh, thank you for for bringing that up and touching on that. Um, you know, if, if I had my choice, Wally, I would, I would likely abandon business altogether and literally go into full-time charity work and nonprofit work. And the reason I say that is because, you know, in, in business, it seems like everything is a race to the top and how much can I accumulate and how much equity do you have that can I pull on my plate? And, um, you know, I'm used to dealing with, uh, with, with, givers and takers. And in business, it just seems like everything else is for self-accumulation. And it wasn't, and, and when it comes to nonprofit and charity work, I'm an amateur. I'm a guy that's seen a need, filled the gap, built it along the way, and did my best to try to juggle everything that was possible. And, you know, I've always kind of been a giver at heart, and I never really understood at, at what length. Um, you know, we've, we've always done things around holidays. We've always done things at random. And when Hurricane Irma had passed through here in September of 2017, that category five storm hurricane, I should say, was, was actually directed for us. That storm was meant to hit us over here in Southeast Florida. And I'll never forget, you know, after the storm had passed, and we had lost power at our property, and we just went over to my buddy's house a couple blocks away, and he had power because he lived on the uh, hospital grid. So they had full power. And, you know, we we started thinking, like, what are we going to do for five days while the world is shut down? Because, I mean, South Florida really did get devastated. Um, you know, there was down power lines everywhere, down trees, roads were impassable. So we began just by going into our own neighborhoods and helping people who – anything that they needed. It didn't matter what it was. So we started in his neighborhood, moved over to my neighborhood. Then we went to his church. Then we went to my church. Then we just went to Facebook and said, anywhere that we can fill a need and fill a gap, um, you know, we're there. We'll, we'll be there to, cause we couldn't really do anything. I mean, the world was kind of shut down. There was no major supplies. There was no gas at any of the stations. There was no water, very little food. And the roadways needed to be clear so they can kind of restock some of these areas. And my buddy and I both have a really good friend who runs the Isle Murata Beer Company. And he had a private plane fly him down to the Keys where the most devastating part of Irma took place, inside of the United States anyway. And he started showing videos of just what had happened down there in the Keys. And um, I could never do justice to the devastation that we witnessed when we were down there. But we immediately took action based on those videos and the storm had hit Florida Keys on September 11th and the National Guard didn't let people back in until September 18th. So we actually had about seven days when we started, um, you know, we bought about 400 cases of water, sterno cans, food, uh, basically anything that a listener can look around your home or your office right now and just know that you depend on it or cherish it or love it. Um, you lost it. 
And I do mean everything. There was nothing saved, nothing salvageable. It was drenched by water, if it was still to be found. I mean, most everything was sucked back into sea because at the best part, the Keys is no more no more than three miles wide. So you got to remember, 18-foot waves just roll over that island like nothing. And, Wally, I truly couldn't touch base on just – I couldn't pinpoint just how bad the devastation was down there. I'll never forget when I entered in there at 7.15 on um, on September or in September 18th. They say that humanity gives off a pulse, like there's a vibrancy, like there's like a radiant pulse that comes from humanity. And I'll never forget being at mile marker 104 in Key Largo and getting out of our uh, out of our moving truck that was filled with supplies and you got out of the truck and there was nothing. There was no, there was no white noise. There was no chatter. There was no electricity in the air. There was the smell of nasty sulfur and week long old fish that was rotting, but there was no pulse whatsoever in the air. So you know, we were just two amateurs that sprung into action and started reaching out to any and everybody that we knew. And we promised that 100% of your donation was getting going to get into the hands of the people. And before you know, we went from just filling our personal trucks to renting U-Hauls every weekend to having to start a nonprofit because certain companies just couldn't do anything to help us until we had that nonprofit status. Right. And, you know, before long, it just kept spinning and spinning and spinning and uh, we started joint venturing with other real estate investors and other entrepreneurs. Um, last December, we did a, a charity mastermind. We hosted a one-day event here in Boca Raton with some other investors. Everybody donated $1,000, so we raised about fifteen grand. went and bought just under 700 toys and gave those toys out to about 100 kids who were um, the absolute poorest of the poor throughout the Florida Keys. So these are kids whose families were living in hotels. They had no home, had no bed. You know, they had no room to even really put supplies if you brought it to them. So we brought a lot of gift cards, a lot of toys, and we're just able to kind of fill some gaps along the way and, you know, and bless people. And then just this past July, we did a charity event out in uh, Bimini, Bahamas. Uh, we raised enough money to build several homes down in Guatemala. We're putting stoves in there. We put shoes on all the kids at the Escuela Integrada in in, um, in Guatemala City there. And I don't say any of that to brag. I say it because, number one, it does feel good. But there are good people out there doing good things. People that I've met that I cross paths with in business all day that I had no idea that had this charitable side to their life. So... Uh, I'm a total amateur. I'm just trying to fill holes and gaps wherever I can. And God has just blessed us with some, some great possibilities and some amazing people and, you know, just kind of, kind of paved the pathway for where we are today. And, uh, there's, there's definitely going to be a lot more to come now that we're a little bit more established and we've got that nonprofit status and things like that. So that is the best part of my life aside from my family is, is the charity and giving and helping other people. Because, you know, if I'm being honest with you, Wally, we are very, very blessed, man. Very blessed. Yeah, Eric, man, brother, seriously, thank you so much. One, for everything that you do, and two, for sharing that with us. Because like we were talking about earlier, it's so, so important to get those stories out there because there are so many 
of those stories that are going on. Like you said, all the entrepreneurs and all the people that you've talked to and all the investors, you had no idea had a charitable side to them because they just don't talk about it because talking about it is boasting about it. And we just need more people to, to be lifting people like you up. And I'm just honored to be able to do that here in this conversation. Likewise, equally so, buddy. Awesome. So, brother, we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Yes, sir. Excellent. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about paying it forward. And that's just kind of become a mantra for my for my life. And I think the number one thing that people can do to change their life, regardless of where you're at, is to to step outside of yourself and go do something else for, for somebody totally at random. Um, you know, we talk about this a lot with our group of givers and a lot of what we talk about is some people wake up praying about the problems that you have today. And I mean that in the context that not only are they praying for your problems, but some people actually pray to have the problems that, that you do. And that comes out of the context of the person sitting in the hospital bed is looking out the window at the person at the bus stop and says, man, I wish I could just get out of this hospital bed and wait at the bus stop. The guy on the bus stop looks at the guy at the bike and says, man, I wish I could just have a bike. The guy with the bike looks at the other guy and says, man, I wish I could just have a car. So the way that we all get to that place is for all of us just to step outside of ourselves and focus on what you might be able to do for other people. Mm. Um, that's the number one way that, that you can start paying it forward and living a life of abundance is just to, you know, when you buy coffee today, buy it for you and the person behind you. And don't worry about if they don't buy it for that other person, just do what you've been led to do and you will feel better about yourself. Um, you know, this comes personally from one of the things that, that I had to nail down in order to feel good about myself at the end of my day was I generally take on more than I can accomplish. And that was getting to the point in my life where I was just really starting to feel very negative about myself because I was not accomplishing things fast enough. And rightfully so, because I'm adding them on so fast. So the way that I was able to overcome that, and I will tell every single person listening to this call to do the same, is to stop chasing opportunity and start working a strategy. And to summarize that, what I mean is stop taking on so much of these things that we think are going to lead us to the next place we're going to go and do what you know you need to do that's going to get you to the place that you want to go. And so many times we all know what it is that we need to do. It's just that, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, there's just things that I don't want to do at times. And it's those things that keep me from being able to be abundant to, because nobody wants to be abundant if you're not feeling good about yourselves. Am I correct? So one way that you can feel better about yourself is to feel productive in your day. And rather than taking on too many things that just aren't panning out, eliminate the things that aren't getting you any kind of result or fruition or making you feel good and focus on the things that, that do make you feel good. Um, and lastly, I would encourage everybody to start your day as early as possible and, you know, enjoy your cup of coffee, enjoy your cup of tea. Uh, I have a casual conversation with, you know, with God every morning. It's nothing formal. It's not like I sit, you know, get on my knees and fold my hands and pray. I have a very casual cup of coffee with the Lord all day. And I tell him what I'm struggling with. And, um, you know, he helps take that pressure off me so I can be in a better spirit for the day. And then I just shift right over into taking a pen and paper and write down everything that I'm grateful for. Three very simple steps that everybody can, you know, pay it forward in your life and feel good about yourself in the process. Man, 
Absolutely love every single <clears throat> bit of that. Nothing to add, guys. Go back, listen to that two or three times, and take notes. Uh, definitely excellent, man. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. What, uh, you already mentioned a few, you know, in the way that you pray and the way that you talk to God, but what are some other rituals that make the biggest impact in your life? You know, I'm a big journal guy. Um, mm-hmm. I have journals for, for several areas of my life, my personal experiences, my business experiences, my spiritual walk, uh, my giving. I am a very big, I'm a very big believer in rising early and spending that first 90 minutes to three hours on yourself, um, I, I tend to have some pretty negative thoughts when I first wake up. So if I think that I'm going to jump right into business and be at my best, I'm just I'm lying to myself. So I'm a big believer in um, waking up early, having casual conversations with God, writing in a journal, knowing what you're grateful for, and try to do something that is larger than life on a daily basis. And what I mean by that is rather than just go through your to-do list and say, hey, I got everything done. I checked it all off. Uh, try to do something that has a a bigger purpose in life. And that can be something as simple as just working out, starting a workout routine, blessing somebody else. I mean, it doesn't have to be things that are grandiose and truly unachievable or unobtainable, but something that is larger. There goes that pattern interrupt again. Do something that is different mm-hmm. and larger than just going through your day in a zombie-like state and, you know, kind of trudging through day after day after day after day. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's touch on journaling really quick, because I've got three of my own personal journals sitting right here on my desk. One of them mm-hmm. is brand new that has my name on it and says 2019, because my son gave this to me for Christmas, because no. he knows important journaling is to me. That's right. And one is for business. One is for my personal stuff. One is just for thoughts that I when I think about them, I just write them down to get them out of my head to make room for more thoughts. Yes. One of them, I have a journal specifically that I do just for my wife and I give it to her every once in a while. I'll steal it back and then I'll give it to her again a couple months later. For your journaling, what type of journaling do you do? How many journals do you have? And and what specifically does that do for you? So I have, I have six actual journals that are in book format. And then I just have, I would say probably 30 yellow pads that have journal like thoughts, but aren't so, um, my journals would be totally open to anybody reading, whether that's you, my family, anybody is totally open to reading my journals. And what I love about my journals is they are my truth. I am very, very big on living your deepest truth. And any time that I ever get overwhelmed or down on myself or frustrated, um, I'll never forget a conversation that I had with a gentleman named Matt Basak, who was one of the world's greatest internet marketers. But I had done some consulting with him, and, and he had told me something one time that really resonated with me. And he says, when I went looking for something powerful, I found my notes. Mm-hmm. And there are so many times when I look back at my journals or my thoughts or my writings, and I say, What I've been struggling to find, I wrote down 15 months ago. I already know what I need to be doing. The action steps are right here. Mm -hmm. So the reason I love journaling is because journaling is my deepest truth in concrete form. It's, It's tangible. I can see it. I can appreciate it. I can expand on it. I can act on it. Um, and the number one thing that I hear from people while they don't journal is they're like, well, I'm just a terrible writer. Mm. And the only way that you're ever going to get better is just to like, there, 
there is no right or wrong way to, I call it brain vomiting. Just get everything out of your brain, out on a sheet of paper, and before long, you will become a better writer. So to summarize everything that I just said, the reason why I love journaling is because it over time, you will look back and say, wow, this is my deepest truth on paper in concrete form in front of me. Yeah, two things I want to note about my journaling on that is, one, some of them are, quite frankly, ineligible. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> other than myself it. can read them, and sometimes I can't even read some of what I've wrote down because I'm just writing so darn fast. <laughs> but other than that, the other thing that I like about my journals is I'll bring out one that's a, a year or so old, and I'll, I'll flip through them, and I'll go, man, accomplished that. I accomplished Ex-hubble that. Man. Oh, let's oh, revisit man. this one. I'm going to put this into my new journal. But I love that. 70% of it, 80% of it, I did, I accomplished. And it wouldn't probably wouldn't have happened had I not written it down and put a date to it. And many times there's a date to it, and I either accomplished it close to the date or, you know, somewhere in that range. But bottom line is I did. So powerfully true. I, I second that. I can look through several of my journals and say, wow, this actually happened. And, yeah, great point you just brought up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a, a book earlier, Eat the Frog. What are some other books or what other things would you recommend to our abundant leaders to read or listen to and why? You know, surprisingly so, I'm not a huge book reader. Um, I, I, I'm i a big journaler. Uh, I, I probably write more than I read. Uh, I would say my number one book, and the reason I always reference the Bible is just because it's the greatest coaching manual, consultant, um, I think it's amazing that as a, as a business leader, I'll pull out my checkbook today and write a, and write a check to somebody that I believe can give me one nugget of information. And yet I have this whole library of reference with all the wisdom of the world available to me. And the tuition's already been paid. All I got to do is show up, sit down, study it and put it into action. And so many people just kind of skip over that and they're looking for the instant gratification. So, um, I'm still a big, my number one book ever will be my Bible, and I don't think anything's ever going to surpass that. Uh, Another one of my favorite books that everybody could probably, you could actually just Google this and probably read it like right now, but it's it's a book by a gentleman, uh, his name is Seuss Geisel. A lot of you probably know him as Dr. Seuss, and the book is titled, Oh, The Places You Will Go, and If you've never read that book, I advise everybody listening to, once this podcast is over, to stop and Google all the places you'll go. And for a book that was written to address children, that book was very much written for adults. If you've never written that book, you will understand why it is one of my number one favorite books of all time, just because there is so much wisdom about life and overcoming adversity and how to be the best version of you possible and not live with the pressure of the of the world in in the weight around you um you know some some other books that i a lot of the books that i read wally if i can be honest are books from back in the 70s um i love to read a lot of stuff about abraham lincoln because uh, I feel that I can really relate to everything that he went through. And he had a very, I don't want to say a dark side, but he had a very private side to how he rejuvenated himself and sought time alone to overcome all the things that he did. Uh, I love anything by Hemingway. Um, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics with Maxwell Maltz and Dan Kennedy is one of one of the greatest books. 
some of the more recent stuff that I've read is, you know, maybe from like Brendan Bouchard, uh, guys like Ryan Stuman, uh, Dichotomy of Leadership. I read this year from Jocko Willink and Leif, ba- uh, Leif Babin, who are some of the greatest uh, Navy SEALs ever on the planet. But to be honest, a lot of what I do is just observe life and, and bring it back to my journal. Um, so some of the greatest books that I think I ever read are some of my notes that I have from from years ago. But I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge reader just because um, what I find in so many new books anyway is a lot of people are just trying to sell me on their truth. You know, I'm looking for principles that are unchanging, that when the market shifts, it's not going to disappear and I'm going to have to figure out something. I'm looking for principles foundational guidelines that don't disappear when the market, you know, zigs and zags. I'm looking for things that I can hold on to and never change. So that's probably why you don't find me reading too many newly published books. Yeah, the evergreen stuff. I had a conversation with a brilliant business, um, just a business mind, and he's an amazing salesman. He's multimillionaire just in sales. And I asked him that question, um, you know, what do you read? He said, I don't read anything. I don't want to, I, I know what I need to know when it comes to my craft yes. and too many of the other things, too many other techniques, social media, blah, 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 blah. It's just a bunch of, you know, things that'll just get in. Cause he took, he actually, he actually <laughs> took a course on sales because he was working for some particular company and they had these guys come in and teach and they were, he was never afraid of the phone. Next thing he knows, he's listening to this course and now all of a sudden he's afraid of the phone. <laughs> because they put it in, you know, so I, I see the point in all of that. Absolutely. And guys, it, this is an interesting thing. But if you guys ever want to hear an amazing story, look up the biography of of Sue Skizel. Um yeah, Amazing. Absolutely. It'll blow your mind. I'm not going to give it away. If you don't know, look that dude up for real. Yeah. Very interesting background. Yes. Uh, great, great recommendations. I greatly appreciate that. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? You want me to answer that now? <laughs> On the spot, brother. <laughs> um, you know, right off the top of my head, I would tell you it's fear, distraction, and complacency. Mm. Um, you know, so many people are just fearful of of the unknown. And the one thing I want to talk to you, you know, that I would tell you guys about fear, for all the fear that you've ever had in your life that you think is going to occur, uh, I, I know you people probably heard this before, but fear is wor- it fear is interest paid on trouble that never occurs. Fear is interest paid on trouble that never occurs. And if you need to self-validate that, what I want you to do is I want you to look at wherever you're at in life and look back over the timeline since you were born and think about all the times that you freaked yourself out thinking that this is the end of it. This is my downfall. It's never going to, I'm never going to recover from this. This is going to be horrible. And we create this, this monster inside of our brain that truly never showed up, never even came around. And we build this inside of ourselves. So the reason why I think more people don't take charge of their life and live abundantly is just fear of the unknown that never, ever comes around. Um, and then I would say it's it's distraction and complacency. And both of those lead to, uh, you know, if, if you wake up and you want to give to somebody today and then you listen to something on the radio that talks about how, you know, this company is scamming other people and blah, 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 that can kill your spirit of, of, of you wanting to give. And what that does is it distracts you from what you want to do and it makes you complacent to who you were, even though you woke up with this grand vision that even though I can't give $100 million today, 
you can start just by giving your time that will eventually build more momentum over time and allow you to hopefully give a, a generous portion more than you're able to give today. So, you know, live with that deepest truth and carry it out in spite of all the fear that you may have inside of you guys. Because I battle with it too, Wally. <laughs> yeah. I still have fear and distraction and complacency in my life. And I just choose to put one foot forward. Yeah, just overcome it. Just just push through it. Absolutely love it, man. So what does living a life of abundance mean to you? Wally, to put that simply, I would have to say to live out your deepest truth. You know, to, to, to me, to not have to sell myself on what I do and make that your truth, but for you to become front and center with who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, and you live that out and execute it. And I'm not talking no surface level garbage. I'm talking a deep, corely discovered internal vision about who you are and what your deepest truth is. Pull those dreams off the shelf. Go back to your childhood. Get lost in the greatness of vision and get outside this, this little rut of conformity that man constantly finds himself in and discover what your deepest truth is for, for your life and figure out how to help and impact people for the better. Wonderful. Absolutely love it, man. So we're going to close this up, Eric. Before we do, we're definitely going to have your website, therealericstarks.com, linked up in the show notes. Uh, without a doubt. But what else would you like to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? I would tell you that this by far has been my favorite podcast that I've been on all year. And I don't say that just because we're on this call today, but it's been the single only podcast that I've been on that goes deeper than just the business. I can encourage men like you and your listeners to dig into the topics that you unfold because it's topics like these that allow you to live and build the best business ever. Your personal self is what allows you to create the best life and business and marriage and foundation. It's, it's not business that creates it. It starts within you. And you have been the only podcast that I've been on and that I've, that I've really found that digs deep into finding this core understanding of, of what makes who is the man behind the success? And I would tell people to dig in for more of that because you will find that by focusing on that core influence of who you are and becoming a better you, the derivatives will just start to naturally occur on the outside and, and kind of fill themselves in. So um, I, I love it because what you're talking about is 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 truly larger than life and it's fuel for my soul. So, you know, thank you for doing what you do. Eric, I greatly appreciate that, man. That truly makes my day lifts me up more than you can even imagine man that we were talking pre-show about some of that and um i just greatly appreciate it thanks so much I, it, it means so much to me uh, it's just amazing i greatly appreciate everything that you do in business in the real estate industry and what you're doing with your success um not just financial success but just who you are as a man and giving of yourself in so many amazing ways um, throughout the Keys, throughout Guatemala and other places, I'm sure. Just keep doing that, man. Keep living your life of abundance and keep paying it forward, brother. You're making a huge impact. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. And, and I, I got to give cheers to you because you're the man in the arena every day, you know, trudging forward, teaching people how to be better within themselves. So e equal credit goes to you as well, buddy. Thank you, Wally. Thank you. All right, guys. So your action step today is to look within your community. 
and see where you can apply your time, treasures, and talents. Now you already know that I'm more into providing and sharing and giving of my time and talents because they go so much further. Yes, writing a check, swiping a credit card, donating to a cause financially is important and it does help. But the longest lasting contributions come from giving of your time and your talents because that's an act of generosity that people will remember for a lifetime. And if you're truly enjoying what you're getting from these conversations here on Men of Abundance, then please go to iTunes or your favorite podcast player and leave a rating and review. It makes a huge difference so that others can find these conversations, and I assure you, they will thank you for it. Now, go out and live your life of abundance, and guys, make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.